Hey there. Before we begin the episode, I wanted to quickly introduce you to the Art Is Podcast's new partner, Artmo. Artmo is a community-centered marketplace where any artist can sell their work and any art lover can buy art commission-free. What's really cool about Artmo is it's the first platform of its kind that lets you sell both physical art and NFTs in one place. They're bridging the traditional art world and the Web3 universe, and I'm super excited about it. The best part? You can turn any of your physical or digital artworks into an NFT on their platform, adding provenance, security, and authentication to your piece. NFTs can be a bit tricky to understand and create, but thanks to Artmo's dedicated team, it's become so much easier. And that's not all. Artmo is not just a marketplace, but also a media platform where creatives can connect, network, and join open forums and discussion groups. It's a great place to engage with fellow artists and art enthusiasts. Also, it's totally free for artists to sign up, and there's no long application process or gatekeeping involved. So what are you waiting for? Join the Artmo community now and head over to Artmo's website to sign up and start sharing and selling your work. Go to artmo.com, A-R-T-M-O dot com, or check out the show notes of this episode to learn more. I can hear my mom's voice in my head. She would say, you don't want to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. But as I've grown older and experienced more, I realize that's exactly what I want to be. And it's really freeing if you're serious about just hearing what, you know, your creativity is asking of you, then that's okay. This is Artis, a podcast for artists where we brainstorm the future of the art world and the creative industries. Hi, it's your host, Izata Page, and I just wanted to jump in here and say hi and check in as we're nearing the end of season five. This is episode 11, and we have one more episode after this until the end of the season. Today I wanted to touch upon a topic that has been really important for me over the past few years which is really understanding and accepting that an art practice can have a lot of variety and recognizing that perhaps it's good not to do just one thing and not to be, you know, a master of one. I guess it's this idea of segmentation. For a while, I didn't think it really applied to me because I saw my artwork and my podcast work as being really separate. But over the past year, and especially since working with Lauren on the show directly, I've recognized how intertwined they are and how making this podcast is a research extension of my own practice and how important it is that I do this work. And now that I've gotten back into my studio work after a little break, I realized how important this truly is. Creating this season has been incredible for me. It's the first time I've gotten to collaborate with somebody else on the podcast, and it's been really delightful getting to work so closely with Lauren on a creative practice as well. As you might have noticed, a huge part of this fifth season has been showcasing clips from past episodes or past recordings or videos or conversations that Lauren and I have each had independently. And we selected these clips very specifically in order to epitomize or narrow in on or deepen a topic that we were discussing in depth in in that exact episode. And since today, what I wanted to discuss is this idea of creative segmentation, 
And for me, that's been like a hard thing to understand because I always saw my work as very separate. Like my fine art practice and my podcast never really intersected. And I guess those were just like arbitrary rules that I was putting up. And I know that I haven't really ever shared about my work on here. And that's something that I'm still kind of understanding if I want to do or how to do. But one of the people who has been really inspiring for me on this front is the artist Daniel Arsham. And as I went through in detail in season one, I graduated in COVID in 2020. And so I didn't have a graduation or a degree show. And all of these things I discussed and digested in season one and season two of this podcast. So if you haven't heard those feel free to go back to hear more about my experience. But during that time, after graduating, I discovered a video, a keynote speech um, at a commencement address at Cooper Union given by the artist Daniel Arsham. I'm not sure if I'm actually allowed to pull audio from it, so I'm just going to share my own perspectives of why it's been so meaningful for me, and I'll link it in the show notes so you can go and check it out. But Daniel really talks about a few different points that have been really salient for me and I guess I've only really started to understand this past year. Um, To kind of go back to what I was saying earlier with this idea of segmentation, um, his practice is a perfect example of that. He has a fine art practice, he has a more commercial-sided practice, he also has an architecture practice and a design studio, so he really does all different kinds of things, Um, but he has it all under like the umbrella of himself and his creative lens. And I think it's a really inspiring perspective to have because I've often felt the need to separate my personal creative work from this podcast and from you know other projects that I'm doing and I'm increasingly realizing that perhaps that's not necessary. What Daniel Arsham really highlights in this talk is this idea of timing. He shares a huge amount of his work in the in the keynote and one of the works that he shares he explains that he actually first drew an image of it like 10 years before he was able to realize the piece. And this was because it was a very ambitious work and it was very expensive to create and it required a lot of, you know, time and resources that he didn't have originally. And only 10 years later was he able to actually, like, bring that piece to fruition. Strangely, I had a similar experience, obviously on a much smaller scale, but last year I had created a large-scale outdoor sculpture as part of a sculpture garden that I created for um, a private client and after installing the work and finishing that project I was looking at images of it and thinking about it and at the same time I was starting to revive my um, my Instagram account and was transitioning it from like a dead personal account into more of an art account and I was going through old photos that I had and I realized that in the archive of my posted images was a drawing that I had posted many years ago and 
the similarity between that drawing and the sculpture that I had realized was uncanny. And I guess I realized that this image had been in my mind for so many years and only came out recently. And it made me think also about the idea of like not actually having that much bandwidth for so many things in your brain at once and how only when you start to get these you know visions out whether you you know build them into large-scale work or you just simply draw them or you just simply like you know give them space to exist can you actually create more space in your mind for new creative work and since realizing that it's been really game-changing for me um, because I've often found myself in the studio perhaps working on something new and lost on how to continue the piece or how to start or you know feeling insecure about the work and instead of like going down into this like path of self-doubt I have started to just allow myself to make the work that I need to make then in order to create more space in my brain for new creative thoughts and this really connects to this idea that Daniel also said around the idea of being self-referential I think it's so easy to always look externally for ideas and you know at least in my experience in art school we always did a lot of artist research and we were encouraged to look at as many sources as possible and often that didn't end up leading to like creative ideas but it ended up leading to negative feelings about you know not being enough or not being good or not you know having original thoughts or being derivative or like just comparing yourself and I found it really interesting that Daniel was highlighting the fact that you actually have a lot of ideas and a lot of work already done so whether or not you've actually created anything yet like in your brain there's an index of ideas that you've already thought through and so when developing new things looking back at what you've already made as a resource can be really enriching and I think these two ideas of like timing and being self-referential along with segmentation and knowing yourself like learning more about how your brain actually works and how how to help your mind be conducive to new creative thought is is really interesting um which leads me to another another thought that has been top of mind for me throughout season five we've discussed you know sharing your work and becoming comfortable sharing your work and I have touched upon my own insecurities with social media and sharing on Instagram and how I was really afraid to show up there uh, for many years and how I've, you know, kind of gotten over that and I'm doing that more consistently. But I want to push that a little bit further and create more of a scenario through which I can share my work more authentically and with more depth. So. I've actually decided to start a newsletter where I'll be sharing my work and the thinking around it with you. So if you're interested in learning more about my practice and the work that I've been doing, 
recently for the past few months I have gone on a deep dive into marble carving and have become completely obsessed with learning how to carve marble and using all sorts of tools from pneumatic hammers to traditional chisels to diamond saws to carve cut grind and create um, different kinds of sculpture so I'll be sharing more about that and um, my journey to getting there and yeah I guess really the thinking behind what I'm doing and since I don't really share that side of my practice on the podcast I wanted to give you an opportunity to learn more about me in that media and I'll link it in the show notes so you can go and check it out and now I wanted to return to my conversation with Lauren. Lauren has also watched the Daniel Arsham keynote and uh, we recorded a conversation where we both were sharing our thoughts around it so I'm gonna plug that in here and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Thanks so much for listening to the new season and I really appreciate you being here, and now I'll be bringing it back to my conversation with Lauren. I wanted to share a clip with you from Kia Warren, who is a singer, actor, and director and one half of the band Susu. Here it is. A huge part of my childhood was singing in church. And I was part of a youth choir. The director was a multitude of choirs on Long Island. So he was really quite skilled and a huge influence in my early life on singing. And I didn't even really realize that I had been in a way training and understanding music in that way. So it started with that. And then in high school, I continued singing. I started acting. I was writing and starting to realize, oh, I have ideas about how to interpret music in my own kind of, you know, story or way. And it took me a long time to use the word artist when I was referring to myself. I had been kind of doing the work and really attracted to it, but I didn't really think that I was really an artist you know and I went to college and I was just curious about um, genres and how genres overlapped and I had the basis of music and I didn't even realize that I was a musician so I went to school actually for film and media studies at Fordham and it brought me to a place I was working in restaurants I was doing installments for like interior designers, I was helping wardrobe stylists, I was an onset costumer, I really just kind of flung myself all over because I wanted to see what it was all about and how the pieces fit together. And it wasn't until I ended up at a place in Montauk, a really special place called the Surf Lodge, where they host artists and surfers and environmentalists and musicians, where I saw all of the things that I thought were like just random things I kind of pursued overlapping and I was like oh you can actually not just be one thing and you can do that well you know you can study how genres work with each other and it was really really exciting and I met so many incredible people at Surf Lodge I saw so many artists 
Daniel Arsham, um, Ed Sharp and Magnetic Zeros, Father John Misty, Patti Smith, like all of these people were just there. And I got to see firsthand in this space, like, oh, that art takes all kinds of forms. And then I became serious about being like, okay, what do I have to say, you know, now that I know that this is a thing and I, it resonates with me and I don't have to just choose one thing, what do I have to say? And I, I still think I'm like a student, you know, I'm, I'm still figuring out, I'm an artist, I accept that, I acknowledge that I love it, but I'm still like collecting the pieces as it were. But that's, you know, my very circuitous meandering journey to how I figured out where, I am now and I'm still figuring out where I'm going, you know? And I see, I see this a lot with my clients or prospects and things too, of like this thought that like, we're not allowed to be multiple things. Like you have to choose one thing and it's, that just limits the creativity so much, you know? And it's, it's sad, but at the same time, like we like putting labels on things. I think for some people it is one thing like there are a ton of masters like uh, Coppola a Rembrandt you know what I mean Nina Simone like there are masters and that is to me one of the most admirable things to to know and to focus on the one thing and that is their specific journey I can hear my mom's voice in my head she would say you don't want to be a jack of all trades and a master of none but as I've grown older and experienced more I realized that's exactly what I want to be and it's really freeing if you're serious about just hearing what you know your creativity is asking of you then that's okay I mean it's one thing to just do things half-assed we don't want that either but it is a disservice to kind of shut that out or think that we just have to be one labeled thing yeah And it is, I mean, I feel like it is kind of a balancing act and what you were saying earlier too, of like prioritizing things at the top, because we can, I think a lot of people struggle with having so many different goals and interests, and then they don't know how to narrow it down too. And, and like knowing that, like, you can be interested in a lot of things, but also like focus in on one thing for, for a period of time to grow your strength in that one thing. And then after you get good at that, maybe then branch out to something different. I love how Kia addresses this fundamental theme so many artists have of not picking a genre. And instead of being critical about that and feeling like a master of none, she embraces that so wholeheartedly. And her attitude of wanting to be a student of life is so inspiring and it's getting comfortable calling yourself an artist which we've talked about before and it's nice to think of yourself as an artist which is more generalized because an artist can be so many different things you know what she said art takes all kinds of forms that's such a beautiful way to look at the many possibilities that you can create with your career or with your creativity. And just even the idea that you can go to school for one thing, but yet later in life have many different jobs in different industries. You know, personally, I studied illustration in college and I feel like I've had a multitude of different 
jobs in different industries, and now I'm a coach. So there's really no limit to the potential opportunities that you can enjoy in your life. One of the artist talks that I have returned to time and again over the past year is Daniel Arsham's materials and process keynote that he did for the Cooper Union back in March of 2020. What I really enjoyed about this artist talk is, first of all, that it's to a crowd of artists and art students. So his enthusiasm for sharing just really rings true. But something that Daniel discusses is this idea of trusting yourself and being self-referential. Of course, it's so important to have influences and inspiration in your practice. But he returns to his own work as an anchor. And I found that to be so inspiring and unique as a perspective, that he knows what trajectory he's going on. And so to know what is coming next for him, he looks back on his past work and uses that as inspiration to push ideas forward. It's a great reminder to repurpose some of the work that you've already done in different ways and to give yourself permission to just focus in on one or two areas to develop more skill in that area. As artists and creatives, we can have a lot of visions and goals and ideas that we want to pursue. And it's okay to allow yourself to just spend some time in one area for a little while, knowing that those other goals, those other visions will be there for you when you're ready to bring them into fruition. I also love how he really blurs the lines between the different industries. He talks about these big shows with the choreography and the dance, the set design, the music. There's a fine art element, film, and even blurring the lines between commercial and conceptual. One of the questions that Daniel is asked at the end of his talk is, how do you balance relationships with commercial partners and not feeling like they're using and taking advantage of your artwork for their brand and for their commercial game? And his response is, well, I'm actually using them to advance my artwork and disperse my image and to put my artwork into the realm of the everyday. And it's so interesting to rewrite these narratives of, oh, it's just another artist being, you know, co-opted by mainstream capitalist forces. Of course, we've all heard the horror stories of people's artwork being stolen, being taken and repurposed without their consent or acknowledgement. And that's horrible and not at all what we're talking about right now. What we're talking about is somebody who has chosen to directly engage with luxury brands at the highest level and using their gain and their influence for his own for his mission of putting artwork into 
commercial life. Yeah, it reminds me of the work of Yayo Kusama and Louis Vuitton recently. And to me, I always think of the perspective shift of collaboration rather than competition. And it's interesting, it really also speaks to the work of Virgil Abloh, who was a great collaborator of Daniel Arsham, and his perspective on blurring the lines between industries, blurring the line between art and fashion and commerce. And I love the Tashin book on Virgil's career and creative pursuits because it really does have this catalog-like element to it, but it's also a personal artist book. It really blurs the lines of seeming like an advertisement, but it also has this beautiful hand binding in its cover and this unique color that's mixed and these strange kind of contrasts between commercial and creative. And I just think that thinkers and artists and innovators who really inhabit that intersection are so interesting and are posing questions that don't necessarily have an answer, but have more of an emotional response. Yeah, it's always the idea of form versus function or art as an object versus design. And Tashin does such a great job of creating collaborations between artists and art objects. One of the one of my other favorite books is The Murals of Tibet. This is one of Tashin's sumo-sized books. So it's so large that it comes with its own stand. The stand was designed by the architect Shigurubon, who uses a lot of recycled cardboard in his architecture. So the stand actually fits together like a puzzle and it's such a unique piece to display this gorgeous, huge book. The cover of the book is actually made out of bamboo and covered in silk with 24 karat gold leaf. It's signed and blessed by His Holiness the Dalai Lama. The photographer Thomas Laird went into these sacred monasteries in Tibet to photograph thousands of years old paintings on the walls of these monasteries. The images are larger than life, and you can see them more clearly than you would be able to see them in person. And it's one of the most incredible projects I've ever seen. The collaboration here was really between spirituality, architecture, photography, painting, and what a wonderful way to showcase all of these creative forms. The hybridity is so interesting and unique in that example. Thank you so much for bringing us in to this incredible moment of history. Thank you for listening to Art Is, a podcast for artists. 
Be sure to check out the show notes for any resources mentioned in this episode. To access the episode transcript and more info on the themes outlined in Season 5, go to artispodcast.com. This episode was created by me, Izalta Page, and Lauren Hill from Curated Splash, with original music by Black Wonder Twins. You can find them on all streaming platforms and on YouTube and Instagram under the same handle. Okay, that's it for now. See you next Thursday. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to our podcast editor, A.K. Joel, who's actually a professional video editor and YouTuber, but also edits podcasts. If you want to contact him about editing your own videos or podcasts, you can message him directly on Instagram at akjoel.films. That's A-K-J-O-E-L dot F-I-L-M-S. You can also find his contact information in this episode's show notes.